This Westwards mini masterclass is a production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. For more information on Westwards and what we do, please go to westwards.com.au. Hello and welcome to today's mini masterclass with me, James Roy. I'm talking today with Lowell Tarling. Uh, Lowell has been a guest of our uh, podcast before um, and recently did some work with Westwards down at the uh, the event in Blacktown last weekend. How was that? Was that... Uh... It was terrific. James the Knight's wonderful and uh, and all the um, all the guests were great too. So, yeah, yeah so um, we're talking today on the anniversary of the death of Henry Lawson. Um, now, the reason I, I asked Lowell to be my guest on this is because Hen, uh, Lowell and I and Oliver Morley Sattler worked together on a show some time ago called Lawson Was Here and then later we performed it in the, in the city called, and called it Henry Lawson, The City and the Country. Uh, and it's, uh, it was a bit of a passion project for Lowell and I came along and did some music and we had a great time performing it. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to talk to Lowell about uh, Henry Lawson because you were telling me before, Lowell, that your main interest in Lawson, you know, quite apart from the fact that he was a great poet and a great writer and a tragic figure and all those things, was that he is—he was a Blue Mountains writer. I think he started writing in the Blue Mountains. So I think he wrote his first poems um, at Mount Victoria, you know, the, um, the um, Henry Lawson Walk. Mm. And I think when he was up here, he was house a painter, house painter, with his father, and um, um, and he'd go to Sydney and stay with his mother, who was a feminist, and um, that's where he got his Republican ideas from. But he's and we're, 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 these days you have to kind of be clear when we say Republican. We don't want to get tangled up in the in the American brand of Republican, which is sort Ooh, of no. sort of much no, of no, MAGA no, no, idiots. No, no. But no, we're Ooh, talking well, about anti, you know, the old Malcolm Turnbull Republican, the, yeah, the, yeah, the right. anti-monarchist, because Henry Lawson wrote some pretty savage poems about the, the royal family, didn't he? One in particular. He, one in particular, yeah. What was that one called? It was called the... The, Brit- the English Queen. The English Queen. And, and he, he basically, it's almost like he, he took out a thesaurus and looked up all the synonyms for... <laughs> <laughs> all the synonyms for disgust that he could find, and he named, he called her all of those things. And uh, we feature this in the poem, but maybe we'll have a couple of a couple of verses of that if Lowell can find in his in his book here. Yeah, I've got it. Do you want to read it? Oh, sure. I'm happy, I'm happy to read it. Sure. I won't read all of it, but um, it starts up here. The Queen has reigned for fifty years, for fifty years and five, and scarcely done a kindly turn to anyone alive. It can be said, and it is said, and it is said in scorn, that the poor are starved the same as on the day when she was born. Yet she is praised and worshipped more than God has ever been. That ordinary woman whom the English call the Queen, cold and selfish woman whom the English call her, and he calls her a dull and brainless woman, he calls her a uh, ordinary woman, which, <laughs> that's a massive insult to <laughs> Queen Victoria, uh, an ordinary woman, um, pure and selfish woman, and then he, uh, and the dull yet gilded dummy, and then he, of course, he gets stuck into the Prince of Wales as well. And so, um, I mean, Louisa Lawson, his mother, she was, she was a suffragette before suffragettes were a thing, almost really, wasn't she? And she, she had this. Um, I understand she had a press 
like a printing press that she used to uh, yes, she le- had... lend out to rebel rabble rousers and ne'er-do-wells, right? That's right, and she she published um, or, um, Australia's first feminist magazine. I mean, she was way ahead. Oh, Women's Day. <laughs> Not quite. Women's Weekly. No, no. <laughs> You're in good form today. <laughs> because the interesting thing when we... I guess we're going kind of bouncing around a bit, but we'll talk about this now because I, I, this fascinates me. This idea that Henry was living at Mount Victoria, which is the highest point of the Blue Mountains. It's one of the highest points on the Great Dividing Range. And if you go west, you go plunging down Victoria Pass down to Hartley, which is where his dad lived. Um, and if you go the other way, you kind of go along through the Blue Mountains, you end up in Sydney, where his mum lived. And so Mount Victoria was a real watershed for him, wasn't it? In, in ter- not just in physical terms, but in sort of social terms. Can you talk about that a bit? Well, um, there wasn't much of a Katoomba in those days. Mm. Um, so there was Blackheath. And then there was Mount Vic, and um, there's a book, Henry Lawson by his mates, and um, and and they they actually write about about Arthur Parker, who was one of his mates in what was called the Blue Mountains Push. Mm. So these guys are just hang out together. Not how was Push wasn't spelt like the Beehole Push, was it? The you know the Push the. That's a, that was a going word for a gang right, in okay. those days, you know. Right. And so, and so he's written written all all about it. It's quite interesting. Mm. But they'd go for long walks. Henry liked going for walks, and they'd walk in the bush. And it was really the, just that view of the Canimbla Valley that got Henry writing the famous poem, "The Blue Mountains." Yeah, which is a beautiful poem. Beautiful poem, and. Um, and then he wrote other poems about this area, but then he actually um, came to Katoomba and um, and hung out with Harry Peckman, who was probably a terrible poet, but he was famous for running what what was called a a cabbie, which was horses, not not with an engine here, right here where we are, just across the road at the station there. And anyway, they were friends, and um, and um, Peckman wrote a poem, Farewell to Harry Lawson. Everyone called him Harry, so he wasn't Henry. We called him Henry Lawson, but everybody said, you know, Harry. Yeah. You know, farewell, friend, Harry Lawson. Now from our gaze you've gone. Though de- death has chilled your mortal frame, your austral soul lives on. And so, yeah. so it goes. So yeah, I guess the the watershed thing I was talking about is this idea that when he'd, he'd go down to Hartley, that's where his dad was, and he'd go and help him paint schoolhouses and put roofs on houses and stuff. And then when he's and then when he's um, when he wanted to, well, the other day when I was talking about this, and I said he, when he wanted some intellectual conversation, when he wanted some intellectual conversation, he'd go down to was it Petersham or Lewisham, one of those inner west places. Yeah, and um, and uh, hang out with his mum, and I think she was friends with Archibald, and they were there was a, a real kind of coterie of of intellectuals at the time. They visited her house, yeah. Uh, but when I t- when I mentioned this to you the other day, you said 
He wasn't going for intellectual stimulation. He was going for money to ask his mum for money. Uh, yeah, for a lot of a lot of those people, especially his publisher, he'd just come in just pissed and just just say, "If you, you know, can I have enough money to buy beer for the rest of the day?" And yeah. so he was a very, very bad alcoholic. He was, and it's it's sort of a sad, tragic tale. You know, talk about. You know, he, he called Darlinghurst Jail, Starvinghurst, because that was where he, he ended up after he could, didn't pay his child support to his wife and, and all the rest of it. And, and he was, he'd had a stroke and then he was staggering around Macquarie Street begging people for money. And one of my favourite stories, which I was told by the, the curator from the, um, from the New South Wales, from the Mitchell Library, which I, I know I've told you the story, but for the listeners, um, you know, he, when he was at the towards the end of his life, he'd go out to these pubs out in out in the, the west or even around Sydney, and he'd, he'd ask them for beer, and they'd say, hey, "How are you going to pay for that?" Let's we'll say Harry, because apparently they called him Harry, um, and he'd say, "I'll write you a poem." So he, he'd, he'd transcribe or a uh, a verse of you know, and he's got a cattle or something like that, and on a on a napkin, wow, and sign it. And they'd go, okay, that's good for a couple of beers. And um, the curator told me that when uh, now, nowadays out west all these pubs have been gentrified and people are finding these napkins. And they'll come to him and they'll say, is this really Henry Lawson's handwriting? Yeah, yes. So he literally wrote this. Yes, he did. And this is his signature. Yes, he, 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 he signed this with his own hand. Yes, he did. Oh my God! What's it worth? And you say nothing. I got about a thousand out the back. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big drinker. So he was a big drinker. He was a big drinker. And um, but yeah. So as a, from a storytelling point of view, do you, you write him? Do you write him more as a poet or as a storyteller or as a, a short story writer? What an um, essayist? How, how would you? Well, I think the Drover's Wife's one of the best short stories ever written. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And it's just amazing. It's almost Hemingway-esque in how nothing happens. That's right. That's the bit that I like. Nothing happens. Just amazing. Just have that stillness. And she's got that, that sort and of... We're just waiting, waiting, waiting. It's just incredible tension. The tension, because yeah, for anyone who hasn't read it, I, we really urge that you go and read this. It is an extraordinary work of short fiction. But basically this drover's wife is... Um, husband's not there. She's there with all the kids and the, and the, and the angry dog and waiting for a snake to come out from a hole in the wall so she can club it to death, right? But she sits there and reminisces. And, of course, uh, Leah Purcell's done her own take on the Drover's Wife and stage play and movie and all the rest of it. There's 13 books called The Drover's Wife. Right. So there's Henry's and then there's Leah Purcell and then Leah Purcell again and then Frank Morehouse and so it goes. So there's a lot. But, well, um, all the, the inspiration you need, all the inspiration you need to think about this Drover's wife character is, well, for me, I, I, there's that famous photograph by um, Dorothy Lang of the migrant mother. If you just go to Google and type in Dorothy Dorothea Lang, L-A-N-G-E, um, migrant mother, you'll see this photo of this woman from the dust bowls around the time Steinbeck was writing this, this very famous photo, and she's just. Her fa- she's got kids around her. Her face is etched with concern and worry. And I think I kind of think about her when I think about the driver's wife. But if anyone listening has ever been out to Mudgee or Galgong, you may have gone to the Pioneer Museum in Galgong, which has got a um, a really interesting 
pioneer women exhibit. And these women were tough ladies. Like they would, husband would go off to work and in the droving, and they'd load up five kids, eighteen oxen, and three dogs and a couple of sheep, and put on their corset and their wool dress and head off to um, the back of you know, Mudgy or somewhere and do battle with the. Those husbands the were away for up to eighteen months. Eighteen months. And I guess that was kind of the way at the time, wasn't it? I mean, if you were a if you were a wife of a sailor, you were they were away for two years or so. Um, Louisa, who we spoke of earlier, she wrote a, an essay called "The Australian Bushwoman," mm. and she wrote it three years before Henry wrote "The Drover's Wife." And do we think that it was inspired by that? Yeah. Yes, we do. Was it acknowledged as such, or is it just that um, the connections are too strong? No, no, it's certainly acknowledged now. Yeah. So he got a lot of that feminism and uh, his politics from mum. I don't know what he got from his dad, but if the people who are listening... Alcoholism, maybe. Alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> but if, uh, if your listeners um, are around here and they go to the cemetery at the foot of Mount York, you'll see... Um, 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 Henry's father's grave. Neil's Larson. Yeah, and and Henry and there's stories about Henry carrying pickets for picket fence to put around the grave, and so he would have tended that grave, which has been refurbished since by the family. Which so I, Mount York, that's Hartley. Yeah, the yeah the foot of Mount York. There's a cemetery. Mm. So there's a lot of um, a lot of sort of mythology around Lawson's early life. What, what can you tell us about that? Um, well, he was born in... Um, um, not in Gulgong. He lived in Gulgong. Where was he wasn't, born? Wasn't he like Kim Jong-un? He was born on the top of a mountain by a, emerged out of a dragon's egg and, yeah. and then went and played golf and hit 18 straight holes in one and then forged a film industry. No, that's definitely Kim Jong-un I'm talking about. That. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's right. But I read an account about that, and he couldn't possibly have been born born in a tent. That whole mythology, when somebody just took it apart and just said, um, apart from anything else, you know, his his parents, friends, and connections wouldn't have allowed that. So he would have been born in a you know in a safe place and. Although probably there was, a, you know, the heavens opened and was so there a, on. Was there a manger and three wives then? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there was. But that, yeah, that was Grenfell, Grenfell. and then um, then he lived out out that way in Gulgong. I think Urunjiri was his um, yeah. primary school, wasn't it? Yeah. Parents got married in the church in Mudgee, which is still standing. The funny thing about all that is, that, you know, Trevor's wife was set just out the other side of sort of between Mudgee and Galgong somewhere out there I guess and which these days is quite gentrified and all sort of um, vineyards and wineries and olive groves but back then it was pretty wild country wasn't it? I had no idea when I I came out from England you know I'm a migrant and we learned the drover's wife and the loaded dog and all those poems and I thought this was a long way away from where we were it never occurred to me that it was you know three or four hours drive away. Yeah, but that's three or four days on a on a dray though. Yeah, well that that's, <laughs> or more. That's that's right. Yeah. Everything was bigger and smaller at the same time. Yeah. Um, what about his his relationship or his compar the inevitable comparison that's made with 
with Banjo Patterson. What do you make of that? Um, well, people divide over it, don't they? I mean, I mean, Greg North, for example, he doesn't like Lawson and he loves Patterson, and then there's other people. Yeah, but he's a, he's a bush poet, and no, I like I know Greg, and I know his work, and I I really rate him. I think he's a wonderful bloke and a, and a good performer. Um, but P- Patterson's stuff would probably lend itself a little bit better to the way he performs, though, wouldn't it? It's, it would as well, and also there's a lot of sadness and negativity in Henry's stuff. That whereas Patterson's upbeat and and um, and also um, Patterson rode horses, and I don't think I think Lawson riding horses was out of necessity. Well, no fun in it. Yeah, well, Patterson, you know, his privilege is on display, isn't it? He was an independently wealthy lawyer and a war correspondent and, and, you know, owned thoroughbreds and all the rest, whereas Henry was quite the opposite of all that. Well, that's right, yeah. Patterson lived in um, Bulara, didn't he? Mm. Did Half the time. Half the time. The, um, I mean, that's not to say that he didn't like that solicitor. He didn't like his work mm. at all. But he, yeah, he did it, and he was privileged. And, and look, I, I think that banjo, some of his stuff is. I mean, the Mulgabills, Mulgabills bicycle, and um, the man from Ironbark, and some of these poems are very funny yarns. Um, but I want to talk just very quickly before we finish about yeah, Henry Lawson is known for Drover's wife. He's known for the Loaded Dog, which is. An incredibly funny story, um, which I spoke about on the podcast not that long ago. I know you love reading it too. Yes, yeah, so there's a great moment when the it was, his it dog's is. running around with a stick of <laughs> basically a charge of dynamite, made extra extra powerful in his jaws, and this one bloke's down a hole trying to hide from the dog, and there's this moment where the dog leers down at him, holding an explo- a fizzing explosive in his jaws, and the guy's go away, Tommy, go away, or whatever his name is, but. The other thing that a lot of people don't know about Lawson is the great sadness in his life. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, that's, that was his love life you're talking about, aren't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, mostly, yeah. And that, I, I, think, I think some of his best poems come out of that period, really. And also the other thing, too, is the shame, shame of going back. Just the idea, this constant thing about failing in love and failing in work and facing... Because his mum didn't... His mum was his inspiration for being a writer, but she didn't want him to be a writer. She actually said, why don't you get a proper job? Mm. Those words. Um, And uh, you asked a bit earlier about rating him as a writer. Well, a lot of people don't rate him as a writer, and I think that's because his complete poems have been published. Now, that's pretty bad. I don't think anyone would want... I don't think you'd want your complete... And I wouldn't everything want my complete everything you've ever written. You know, the, the, you know, the 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 best. You know, the the and and if they'd done that with the we don't B side, we don't yeah, want just, our B sides on display. That's do we? right. We don't want to. <laughs> and they've done that to Henry. So there are some. Why do you think they've done that? Is it just sort of because it's there and they figure they can just print them all? They just do that to anyone who's famous. I mean, everything that Bob Dylan's ever done. Is just recorded and bootlegged, and then the Beatles and all these people—they've just got all these things. Just um, yeah, take take six from Abbey Road, and you go, well, that wasn't the one that ended up on the album, probably for a good reason. Right? Yeah, that's, well, that's right. 
So you don't get to edit your own stuff and so yeah, I'm sorry I'm sorry they did that. But his best poetry is just wonderful. That to Hannah was a lovely piece. Yeah, there's the one um, that I think that I do not know, which we were talking about a minute ago. Oh, that's that, wonderful. A beautiful poem about, you know, basic. I think we've got it here, haven't we? Let me see if I can track it down in this book. Oh, no, 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 we don't, because that was one that, that um, Ron performed. But yeah, basically, it basically says, um, you know, I write these funny stories, everybody thinks that's all I'm good for, but. You know, I, I went to London and everyone told me that I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't, I should go and I didn't want to go and then I, and I went and I came back and the girl that I loved had died and all the rest and it's just heartbreaking, so... Um, and I think this one too, the shame of going back, when you've come to make your fortune and you haven't made your salt, when the reason for your failure isn't anybody's fault, when you haven't got a billet and the times are very slack, there's nothing that can spur you like the shame of going back going back with empty pockets going back hard up it's then you learn the meaning of humiliation's cup yeah it's, it's, it's stunning stuff um sad man very sad, sad. <laughs> very sad yeah. and, and there were a lot of those guys around and that was sort of at the tail end of the gold rush i suppose but or quite a bit after the gold rush but there were a lot of guys going out there trying to find their fortune or trying to make their way and and um, failing, failing horribly. It was a hard time. And um... oh, writers cop it all the time from their mothers. I think, <laughs> you know, why don't you get a proper job? Go back to school. I got that from my grandfather when I first started getting published. Why did you want to write books? Why don't you get a real job? From your grandfather. From my grandfather. I know your grandfather. Is that the one I'm thinking of, Maitland? <laughs> my, no, 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 no. My grandfather, Ron. Oh, him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But then he could never get get through his head that I was a registered nurse. He always called me, you say, my, my grandson's a wardsman. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with being a wardsman, Grandpa, but I'm not actually one of those. I'm actually a registered nurse. Oh, yeah, well, what, do, what do you do then? Like, same thing that all registered nurses do. Well, why don't you go and keep doing that? Get a real job instead of writing your stories. Which is kind of ironic because he was a fantastic storyteller and loved stories. But anyway, right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, we're not talking about my grandfather or my books, we're talking about Henry Lawson. Anyway, Lowell, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, it's 200 years today since he suffered, he'd had a stroke a few week, a week or two earlier and then he got a blinding headache one night and um, never woke up. And uh, he was buried at Waverley Cemetery, which is, I suppose, I was, I was over there about a week ago and they were, they were doing some work on the grave because it's been left to go a little bit, you know, the, the sandstone is cracking and bulging and weird things are going on. So they've given it a good acid bath and it's looking all fresh and pristine and new. Um, I'm a bit distra distressed though to see that he faces west. Got this incredible view to the east and he's facing west. But maybe that's where he would have liked to have been looking. Maybe, maybe actually, that, actually, yeah, think about it. Maybe that's exactly where he should be looking, right? Well, I, I looked it up after you told me and I looked at, at the, um, on Google Images. It's a beautiful view. He's got a nice view of well, the ocean. He's, and... he's, yeah, but that's the thing. He's facing the other way. But anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, two months before, um, two months before his death, he was here where we are. Mm. And then he would have caught that train just where we're looking, and then gone back to die. Come back to Sydney to die in yeah. Stanmore, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Abbotsford. Abbotsford. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Anyway, thanks for talking to us and um, happy, well, no, I was going to say happy birthday. That's quite the opposite. Um, 
anniversary of Henry Lawson's death. Um, check out his work if you haven't. Um, keep in mind that he was a man of a different time and some, let's not cancel him because of some of the things he might have said because he was a very much a person of his time. Blue Mountains poet. Blue Mountains poet. And one more thing before we go. Um, Sunday the 11th of September, there's something going on up here in Katoomba. Uh, uh, it's the monthly poets in the pub at the family hotel. And what is it this time, Lyle? It's Lawson theme. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an open mic. We've got some, um, we've got some um, stars booked in, like James Roy, <laughs> and uh, but we've got um, Ron from from Springwood, who knows thirty-two of these Lawson poems by heart, and um, we've got Mick Conway. He'll come along and um, and sing, um, and um, some of our regular readers. It's just an open mic, so whoever you are listening to this. You're welcome to come in and read something. It doesn't have to be a Lawson poem, but it's Lawson themed. It could be something you've written about Lawson, or you could just say this is one of his subjects. And um, or and uh, hang around for the Balmoral chicken, which is very good at the family hotel. Is it? Yeah, it's a it's a chicken breast in a kind of white wine and white wine and shallot sauce. It's um, it's pretty good. Uh, well, we don't. Barrel moral chicken. We should call it the Abbotsford chicken for now. <laughs> we do. Okay, okay. <laughs> the Waverley chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no worries. Well, come along if you can, folks. It'd be fun. <laughs>